You are listening to the To and Out CFL Podcast, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. I could use a meal plan as well. I am, I'm just throwing that out there. <laughs> I think after, after COVID, I think we all could. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> Grab some poutine and a double-double. It's time for the To and Out CFL Podcast. Now they have to kick it out, and they do! Every week, Travis Curra. Does anybody still care about this podcast? And Brazilian Tide. Hunters are people, too. Talk fantasy football, bring you the latest in CFL news, and sprinkle in a little bit of nonsense. Are you kidding? This is unbelievable! Ready, set, hunt! And we are a part of the Alberta Podcast Network, locally grown, community supported. I'm Travis Curra. Brazilian Tide handed in his holiday papers for this episode I'm sure he's probably on a golf course somewhere. Uh, today's episode is all about putting a bow on the CFL draft. We're just about a week removed from that. So John Hodge from 3downnation.com will join me in conversation about that. I also do want to mention and say thank you that 2 and Out has been nominated for a Canadian Podcast Award. Voting is underway canpodawards.ca slash vote is where you can cast your vote. It does, I, I do believe it's only people with podcasts, only other podcast hosts can vote in this. So if you happen to have a podcast of your own, I don't know, throw to and out a little extra love <laughs> and maybe we can win uh, a Canadian podcast award. I, I got to say, I was shocked when I saw the nomination because it's been a tough year. <laughs> no CFL football. We got through doing the bi-weekly thing. We'll continue to do the bi-weekly thing as we hope to see a season this August. This episode of Two and Out is brought to you by Park Power, your friendly local utilities provider in Alberta. They offer internet, electricity, and natural gas with low rates, awesome service, and profit sharing with local charities. In Alberta, you get to choose who to buy your internet, electricity, and natural gas from. So if you choose Park Power, you're choosing a positive local business. Plus, Park Power shares its profits with local not-for-profits, that are working to make a difference for their communities. Shopping local is very important to Park Power's owner, Chris Kozowski, and we love local here at the Alberta Podcast Network, so it's a great fit. You can learn more at parkpower.ca. And joining the show now is... Well, I'm going to call him it, a CFL draft expert from 3downnation.com. We rely on him annually... Thanks for joining the show, John. Let's let's get started here. I, I just got to ask, do you, do you think the expectations or maybe the excitement, sorry, for this year's draft was down a little bit, quite frankly, with no Canadian football last year, almost on any level? You know, I, I think it's fair to say that maybe the uh, the enthusiasm was a little bit tepid compared to what it normally is. I mean, the, the CFL draft is never its NFL counterpart, right, yeah. where you've got Pro Bowl players being selected and, and guys who are going to be starting immediately. The CFL draft, I would say, is a lot more like the NHL draft relative to, you know, that, that league where well, you're, you're typically, unless you've got, you know, a Connor McDavid type situation where yeah. you've got a generational player who's going to come in and light it up from day one. 
which which has happened in the CFL, maybe not to that extent, but you've had players come in and be CFL All Stars as rookies, as uncommon as that is. But generally, you're you're you know you're selecting players to to start for you in a year or two. Um, the top flight guys usually are starters, kind of by Labor Day. Um, and then you're drafting the, your back end guys typically is either developmental players who are going to be on special teams primarily, or, or you're drafting futures right later in the draft guys who like Chuba Hubbard are in the NFL now. And you're hoping that one day, you know, might consider signing with you. So it's, it's never the blockbuster event that the NFL drafted. I still think you're right. Um, you know, given that if there's a uh, a merger, it's likely that the ratio would at the least be reduced, and you know, at at worst, eliminate altogether. I, I did hear people floating out there. Well, is this the last CFL draft, or is this the last CFL draft like this, where it really matters who you get in round round five or round six? Because guess what? If if there's no ratio, you don't have to have a six, seven, or eight round draft in the CFL. You can have a you can have a three round draft and because uh, you're, you're not going to have that many Canadians on your team, which is sad. But those are questions that I think are uh, are perfectly valid at well, this point. And not only no football last year, but this year still so... For me, it was, are we actually going to see these kids on a pro field, you know, in training camps in July, you know, football in August? That's really hard for me to think about. The, the situation that we are in Alberta right now, it's really hard for me to think that in two and a half months, three months, there's just going to be football and everything's going to be roses and sunshine again. That That's where I struggled with, with the draft. I want to be excited for these kids and for new kids to get onto the field, but it's hard to see, you know, August being normal again, for lack of a better term. You're right, and it, I think it, the the vaccine projections are really positive, yeah. Uh, thus far, which is which is good, and you know the the comparison that I'll make is you know that the the province of Manitoba where I live was selected as the bubble city, right? Mm-hmm. For 2020, had that season gone on, and it was chosen largely because, well, I mean there was essentially no COVID in the entire province through July and August of of 2020. Well, by the time the season would have started. In late September, early October, we were the hotspot nationally. So things can change really quick. I know if you go back two weeks ago in Manitoba, we were middle of the pack. Numbers not really that bad. And and today they introduced a whole whack ton of new restrictions on top of what they introduced last week. Why? Well, because we're we're the second hottest province now behind Alberta. So things can change fast. Um, but I, I want to say, like, I, I think – what you say is perfectly fair in regards to, um, you know, kind of the, I, I, don't, I don't think it's fair to use the word doubtful, but just the hesitancy because CFL fans kind of got burned once. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like the CFL just kind of let, and, and I get it, early onset of the pandemic, it's it's tough to, to be in that situation as the CFL, but for them to basically just, let fans and players and and all these these people you know who either base their livelihood on the league or people who just care about the league so much and to basically just let them languish for three months you know without any firm answers and then to say oh yeah by the way the season's canceled we're done you know i i can fully get anybody who 
is tepid with their expectations and 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 maybe unwilling at this point to go full bore into it because you're right if 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 you get your hopes up high as we know throughout covid times it's really easy to be disappointed if you keep your expectations remarkably low sometimes that's the only way to get through the day so i I've, i don't blame any cfl fans who are you know, cautious at best or highly skeptical at worst about where the CFL is headed. I, I do think we'll get a 2021 season, but like you, I, I want to see the proof in the pudding and I want to see uh, games before I get too excited. Yeah, there's a current uh, co-host of this show who is eternally pessimistic. So if <laughs> things exceed <laughs> that pessimism, then it's all right. But if you expect the worst, then you're never disappointed. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, I I like living by that. What can you say about draft uh, preparation for teams going into this year? I know (laughs) there were, you know, some American games going on, but it had to be tough going against it for a lot of the Canadian kids. Were they just looking at 2019 stuff or what was going on? Yeah, by and large, the film... From, I mean, there was no youth sports football played of any kind in 2020. I know a lot of teams practiced um, when they were permitted to. Um, a few actually, a few Canadian university teams actually had COVID outbreaks from those practices, which was not good. I don't think any of those made their way into the mainstream media, but that was something that was flying around was teams were practicing and a few of them had some COVID issues. Um but, yeah, I mean, a lot of players recorded their own workouts. I know, you know, one of them was Robbie Lowe's. I'll use an example. Uh, a guy who uh, played for the Saskatchewan Huskies was selected in the fourth round by the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Well, Robbie Lowe's didn't participate in uh, the uh, the draft, uh, you know, the, the oh, pardon me, Regina Rams, mm-hmm. um, but uh, Saskatchewan native. He didn't participate in any of the the virtual combine testing because he had COVID. Um, he actually had it when the testing was due. So after the fact, he recorded a bunch of videos and tests just to show and kind of prove to teams that he was back. And sure enough, that was enough to get him drafted in the fourth round. But if you're teams, yeah, you have to get really creative. All of your interviews are online. You know, the more that players can show you on video, the better. Is it a substitute for the real thing? Not really. Uh, some of these guys put, you know, a ton of stuff on film over three years, right? They played three seasons, 17, 18, 19 in new sports. So, you know, if it's consistently good, maybe you go, okay, this is fair. This is legit. But if you're a guy who, let's say, let's say maybe you played CJFL or maybe you weren't a starter, right? Or, or, or maybe you really only took heavy snaps in 2019 or maybe you got hurt. Maybe you only played three games in 2019, and then you, you know, dislocated a shoulder or, or you did a knee or something, all of a sudden there's, there's not a lot of film. And it can be tough to get, to, to get an assessment that's fair. The, another guy I'll highlight, Tyler Packer, offensive lineman from the University of Calgary, the sixth-round pick of the BC Lions. Well, Tyler Packer started at right tackle for that team in 2019 at 340 pounds. Uh, granted, he's 6'6", six, six, but 340 is too heavy. Mm-hmm. for the CFL. So he's now down to 300. He's lost 40 wow. pounds since he last played. Uh, and if you're a team, right, you can you can kind of, I guess, sort of imagine, okay, here's how he might move, and maybe he sends you some drills on film, but there's also rigorous guidelines as to what he can even do, uh, you know, going against somebody on film. So if you're drafting Kyler Packer, which, again, the Lions did in round six, 
well, now you're, you know, you're, you're projecting a lot. It's like, well, we saw his film, but he doesn't look like his film anymore. And he's going to move differently and he's going to be, you know, a, a different player almost. So definitely there's, uh, there's a lot of guesswork and a lot of uncertainty. I think that's, uh, that's fair to say in the assessment of a lot of this year's players. And now I know this <laughs> comes with a lot of factors. It, it would basically mean that the CFL would start up in August and everything would be good next June, CFL, no XFL, any of that. W- would we be seeing a lot of guys that fell through the cracks and would be able to make rosters just on maybe tryouts and being a training camp body just because of the lack of film and you know, missing teams' attentions during this time? I think that's possible. I mean, there there were only six rounds in this year's draft. Yeah. Um, partly because so many guys opted out. But it's also important to remember that, you know, we, we still have all of the 2020 draft guys yeah, exactly. who have yet to find homes. I think there will be a lot of vets who move on, whether they've formally retired or not. Something I had in my insider talk a couple weeks ago for three down that – I think shed some light on that if somebody said to me, well, if you're a player, let's say you started your own business a year ago, or let's say you got a really good job a year ago, and you've already decided I'm not going back to football and I'm not even training anymore. Well, what incentive do you have to file your retirement papers now? Because the reality is you could, you know, if if, if the CFL season doesn't start on time, Maybe maybe there's some cues money, right? Or maybe there's some serve, or maybe there's something. So even if you don't actually plan on going back to to football, right? You, why why file the paperwork now to retire? You might get some free money out of it, and you can continue doing what it is you're doing. And so, you know, with I think it depends largely on how many vets go, right? If the the more the vets go, the more openings there are. Right now, I think, you know, the openings are maybe not going to be huge, but it, it also depends. Uh, you know, there, there's more players coming in than normal with two draft classes, but maybe there's more openings than normal. We'll, we'll have to wait and see on that. But certainly, I think there are some guys who have probably fallen through the cracks who who will get a look at least in a training camp. Though the other side of that is CFL teams also have no idea at this point how yeah. big training camp rosters are going to be. Usually, you can have 90 guys. And then on top of that, you've got uh, some non-counters. You can have, um, you know, you can have local. You can have usually some some. And by non-counter, I mean you can have some undrafted players there. You can have some Canadian junior football guys there. Um, you know, that's that's a pretty normal thing. But uh, it's not uh, not not in the year where I think it's going to be unlikely that you can just have, let's say, you know, if you know, a hundred twenty guys in camp. I don't think that's uh, that's to be likely anyway for uh, for 2021. I know a lot of times uh, fans could look at the CFL draft. You know, eight of the nine first picks in the first round draft or first round are going to be offensive linemen. Well, over the last couple of years, that hasn't been the case at all. There's been a lot of balance, a lot of DBs, uh, defensive linemen, linebackers getting drafted. Uh, big picture. How do you see that? Is that a, is that a change in skills for football players, or what's going on there? Well, I think it's great. Honestly, I'm I'm really excited about it. I think if you look at the history of the draft, I think teams, you know, there there are well, it's I think I think it's some chicken and the egg, right? Because if you go back 30 years ago, if you were a great cover corner in U Sports, 
you know, the chances of you getting a decent look are, are never high because that's just kind of not where teams play guys. So you're yeah. getting overlooked. And then when that guy goes overlooked, people look at the league as a whole and they say, oh, what are you talking about? We're missing out on all these DBs. There are no Canadian DBs. Obviously, none are good enough. Otherwise, we would have, you know, Canadians playing corner. And so I, I don't know what has shifted necessarily. I think I think part of it is that teams have recognized that the offensive line is a really tough place to replace Canadians when they get hurt. Um, you might be better off flipping that spot, especially if you dress an American at field side corner or field side receiver where there's not a lot of attention anyway. Um, I love that more teams seem to be starting Canadian linebackers. There was a big shift away from that, I feel, in the early 2000s. And, um, you know, because let's not forget when the Canadian uh, ratio was reduced, right, at the time of expansion in the 90s, it used to be 10 starters per team. So if you go back into the 80s and 90s, there actually were a lot of Canadians who started at linebacker, more Canadian slot backs. Uh, Canadian was always playing safety. Um, and some of that went away as teams seemed to just double down in the late 90s on, no, we start Canadian offensive linemen. Even if you only got to start seven, let's still start four or five old linemen and really, really go to bat there. Well, I don't think that's in the best interest of anybody, to be honest. And I love that we have Canadians. Part of, part, part of it's probably Canadians getting development at NCAA schools, right? We just saw four Canadians from NCAA schools get drafted by the NFL, which is super exciting. And all of yeah. them. We're, we're skill position players, right? You have a running back, you got a receiver, you got Javon Holland who plays slot corner, and then you've got Benjamin St. Just, who I think is is going to be potentially in the mix to start right away for Washington at corner, um, which I love that teams are more open to it. I think more teams should be open to it. Um, I'm a former offensive lineman, and I'm not saying that the offensive line position isn't important, but – I feel like it can be a little bit overrated sometimes in the draft, especially if you've got guys like Grant McDonald, Ben Hladik, uh, you know, linebackers who can start potentially in the CFL. And and the other part I'll say real quick is these guys have to guard yeah. in the first round who weighs 315 pounds. He, he can only help you if he's playing along the offensive line. Whereas if you draft a 210-pound safety or you draft a 230-pound linebacker who can really run, or you draft a 245-pound pass rusher who can come off the end, or you know a, a, a throwback slot who weighs 215 pounds. Like, these are all guys. Fullback is the same way. These are all guys who can help you in all kinds of ways and actually get on the field and, and, and really contribute. They're not just you know standing on the sideline you know, for waiting for an injury, basically, which is oftentimes what your young Canadian offensive linemen are forced to do. Now, uh, on here, were, were there any guys that fell further than you expected? I mean, I look at your mock draft, and there was a certain offensive player that fell to the end of the second round. Were you surprised with that one? I was very surprised. Uh, Terrell Jana fell all the way to 17 overall. Um, I know a lot of teams were not expecting to see him there. I think the Riders were absolutely delighted to pick him up there. I gave them an A-plus for that selection. Um, I don't think the receiver spot was one that a lot of teams felt they needed to address, which kind of hurt Jana. Like the Bombers, for instance, they picked at 16. They didn't need a receiver. The Lions picked at 15. They're pretty loaded at receiver right now. 
especially with local talent. But the team that I was really surprised passed on him twice was the Ottawa Red Blacks. I thought, okay, if he's there at six, they got to take him because they can still take a really good future at 13. Well, they take Deshaun Stevens, who may or may not be a future. We'll see if he goes back to school or if he signs right away. When they took him at six, I'm like, well, I'll be surprised if he falls to 13. But if he does, that would be an amazing pick. And sure enough, he falls to 13, and they, they, they took another future, which, which and I think Alonzo Adai is going to be a great CFL player if and when he comes up here. But that, to me, was a big shock, um, the fact that they're, they, they didn't seem interested in, in Terrell Janna. I see Terrell Janna as a potential 1,000-yard slot back in the CFL. I actually think he's a lot like Brad Sinopoli in certain ways. Mm. He needs the waggle to be effective. He's got great hands. He's a really smart route runner. He always knows where to, where to sit down in coverage and stay open. Physically, they're not super similar. I think Sinopoli's a lot bigger, uh, but Jan is faster. So there's a bit of a trade-off there. But in terms of what they do for you, I think they're, they're very similar players. Being so young and so pro-ready, he's going to be playing in the CFL in 2021. Sinopoli turns 34, uh, or recently turned 34. So, you know, I, I think you're in a position where where that was a surprise. A couple other guys did slide, did slide further than I thought they would. Ben Halatic, linebacker out of UBC, fell on the Lions' lap at 22. That was a spectacular pick. Um, you know, so uh, and Logan Bandy, I guess, was the other big faller from the University of Calgary. The, the Riders getting him at 31, 38 is sensational. Uh, there was some chatter going into the draft that he could fall. Right, Peter Nicastro would play along the exact same offensive line. And I think in the scouting bureau rankings, Bandy was consistently higher, but it shows exactly how much those those scouting bureau rankings mean when Nicastro goes at seven to the Argos and Bandy goes at 38 to Saskatchewan. Wow. So um, that was a great pick for the Riders as well. I, I didn't have a first-round grade on Bandy, but I thought second round he probably goes. If not, he's a steal in three. So the fact that they got him at the top of five is pretty remarkable. So it looks like not only did the Riders, you know, get some great talent, but they got some great value out of their picks too. Is it fair to say that they're your favorite draft of the of the draft? Yeah, I did a full ranking of all nine draft classes, and I asked people take it with a grain of salt because I mean, there's a lot of unknowns, yeah. and and again, with even the player retirements, this all factors in. You know, a team might not have a need at a particular position. Well. If a guy ends up retiring yeah. and another guy at that same position maybe says, uh, you know what, I was actually playing pickup basketball with my kid and uh, I, I actually just tore my ACL or, or heaven forbid, something like that. You know, really all these teams kind of have needs across the board. So um, I try to take that into account. That being said, I, I absolutely thought the Riders had the best draft. They were my number one team. Um, I think the way that they got great value in two, I mean, I like their first pick. Nelson McCombo addresses their need they have right now at defensive back where they'll be starting two Canadians. Uh, you get Jana and, and you get uh, Bandy as complete steals in two and five. And then round three and round four, I like their picks a lot too. You get Bruno LaBelle in round three. He's under contract with the Arizona Cardinals right now as an undrafted then you're in a position where you've got maybe the best blocking fullback in the CFL on your team. And then round four, and then by the way, I think, you know, 
aside from being a great blocker, LaBelle is going to be potentially a star in the red zone. He's 6'4", 250, and he can really catch. And then round four, they were able to scoop up Elaine McKinda out of Carlton, who is one of my favorite players in the draft period. He really excels at three-tech, even though he's only about 6'1", 245. So the way I kind of see that is you've got Mac Henry, you've got Charbel Debire as the riders, but now you can mix in some McKinda, especially on passing downs, put him in the middle. And he's almost like, I would almost equate him to uh, uh, Ettore Latanzio, who used to do that for Ottawa all the time. As a 245, 250-pound player, go in on passing downs at defensive tackle and just give those guards fits. I think it's great. So I, I love their draft, 100%. Of course, 3downnation.com to read the rest of John's draft rankings. Well, And I know it was a six-round draft, so a little bit different than past years. Were there people that, well, it seems like there always is. You know, where'd this guy come from? Sometimes it's a last minute addition to the ra- uh, to the draft where there's someone uh, that rose up and shot up the ranks that really surprised you. I think two weeks before the draft that he'd been added. And, mm-hmm. you know, that was he's, he's a late addition. He goes first, which is kind of the start of a funny trend, because people remember in 2020, uh, a guy who just actually signed his first CFL contract is Jordan Williams to the BC Lions. Well, he was a late addition of the draft played linebacker at East Carolina. And uh, I don't think he actually spent time in Canada as a child, but his mom was Canadian, and so he qualified. Jake Burt was born in Canada. He was born in Regina, moved to Massachusetts with his family when he was a kid. Um, So I would say he was certainly a late riser. Uh, Deontay Glover was another late addition that I reported out of Shepherd University. He ends up going at 23 to Edmonton. But the biggest draft day riser and a pick that I'm still, I'm frankly, I'm just flabbergasted by, is Edmonton taking Cole Nelson at five. I mean, Cole Nelson, 6'6", 315, moves well for his frame. But this is a player who is essentially a rotational guy with the Golden Bears, has one career sack and I think something like 19 career tackles. So this is a player who's not going to be walking into your starting lineup. Um, for comparison, Mohamed Diallo was the number 19 pick going to Hamilton. Well, he was all Mac first team. Wow. With, I think it was three sacks and eight and a half tackles for loss in five games. And he actually rushes. He's athletic enough that he can, in four down ball, he can rush off the edge. And he does it at 6'3, 305. So if you take that athleticism, rushing off the edge, and you move it inside, like to me, if you're the tie cats, you're like, well, we have you know, the next Ted Laron potentially in the pipeline if we can continue to develop his skills. Um, and, 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 and we're looking 13, or pardon me, uh, uh, I'm bad at math, 14 <laughs> spots ahead of him goes Cole Nelson, who, again, is a little bigger and, and athletic, but essentially a developmental player. Um, if you're Edmonton, there are probably 20 or 25 players who you can get at five overall who who are better than Cole Nelson and probably will be better at the professional level than Cole Nelson. And I want to stress, I think Cole Nelson could be a really good CFL player, but if you're looking at the draft in terms of each pick having a certain value, taking him at, at pick five is is a huge overdraft, especially when you consider a guy who plays the same spot of Diallo's caliber went at 19. So to me, Cole Nelson should have been Edmonton's pick in round five or six. 
Um, that was the biggest draft day shocker to me. And um, I know people on, uh, on a number of other CFL teams felt the exact same way. You see more teams starting to focus on uh, locally grown players. I mean, I look at especially Montreal. It looks like almost that's that's where they're trying to go with nearly every pick. Saskatchewan did with Nelson Lacombo, and Edmonton did with Cole Nelson as well. Is that going to be a focus going forward for CFL teams? We see a lot of times where... And I, I think back to Andy Fantuz. I think of Brendan Labatt. These these guys, you know, they, they they carve out a good career when they start, and then uh, they take money and they end up going playing at home for a few years. Yeah, that's definitely a factor. I think is is a lot of teams are frustrated with because look, like let's not forget again, this is not the NFL draft. First of all, the NFL draft, yeah. these guys are going to contribute for you most of the time right away, and you get them for four years. Right, a four-year rookie deal. CFL, you get them for three. And for most of these guys, they're not going to be major contributors until their second season, maybe even their third. So there is a frustration from some coaches, from some personnel experts who say, okay, so we drafted this guy in the fifth round. We sent him back to school. He finished his last year of eligibility. Then he signed with us, and he spent the whole year on the practice roster. Then the following year, He was on the practice roster a little bit. Injury came up, and he got to play 12 games, and he actually far outperformed our expectations. And, uh, you know, he, you know, linebacker, put up nine special teams tackles, you know, took took some reps on defense, looked really good. And guess what? He's from Saskatchewan, so he's signing with the Riders in free agency. Done. And it's like, oh, so we, we spent three years developing this player so that our rival could sign him and beat us with him. Yeah. And there's, there's a big sense of frustration from some people. So to, to me, I think there are some obvious solutions. I think one is you need to have unrestricted – or pardon me, restricted free agency implemented to in some ways. And I've written on that in the past. If you want to Google CFL restricted free agency, three down, John Hodge, it'll come up right away. Um, where I don't think players should just be free to sign wherever they want after three years. Um, now, that being said, I don't think that their wages should be stifled, but you know, there's, there's, there's ways in every other league, whether you want to look at baseball or hockey or whatever, where players are not simply, after three seasons, able to just pack up and go wherever they want. Mm-hmm. Um, I think players should be incentivized to stay with a team. My, my boy Ryan Valentine from Three Down Nation and part of the the Canadian football podcast network, I think has a really interesting idea where he says, well, if, if you've been playing with your same team for a certain amount of years, why don't we just say 10% of their salary doesn't apply to the cap? So if you get drafted by Montreal, let's say, and, uh, but, but you're originally from BC, well, the lions are going to have to pay more than 10% above what Montreal would to retain him because Montreal can pay him 200 grand with, only 180 counting against the cap, whereas BC would have to pay, let's say, 210, and all 210 goes against the cap. Okay, that's a fascinating idea. I think there's, I think there's a system that could be hashed out from that. But certainly, uh, we've seen a ton of Carabin, a ton of other RSEQ players uh, eaten up by the Montreal Alouettes, especially since Danny Machocha took over as the GM there. Um, you know, we just saw Evan Johnson sign as a free agent mm-hmm. in his hometown of Saskatchewan. Uh, Bola Combo gets picked, you mentioned, from the University of Saskatchewan. Um, you know, Winnipeg stayed on the prairies with a couple of guys. They took Robbie Lowe's and 
uh, in round four from Regina. They also took Kyle Borsa, the running back, out of Regina in five. So, and, and BC, by the way, BC does the same thing. Yeah. I mean, they, they, they've brought in free agents like Suk Chung, who was born there. They brought in uh, the slot back, Lamar Durant, who played at Simon Fraser. So they've done it, and they did it somewhat in the draft as, as well. So it's, uh, it's, it certainly seems to be trending that the draft will be more regional. I think that's kind of a good and bad thing. Uh, but as, until there are protections for these teams – to say, hey, we're, we're not afraid as, you know, insert team here. We're not afraid as the Hamilton Tiger Cats to take this guy who was born and bred in Calgary because we know we have his, his rights for a three-year rookie contract and then we have two further years of restricted free agency. Uh, or, or, you know, that, and that, that example could be applied to any team or any region. Uh, but as long as the, it, the way it, it currently is, where these guys are signing three-year contracts, and again, often not necessarily contributing a whole heck of a lot in year one, and in some cases even year two, I don't blame teams for sticking regionally because the last thing you want to do is develop a player, and as soon as he starts being an impact guy, somebody else scoops him up, and they use him to, to kick your ass. It's a win-win for fans, too, because I think that's the biggest complaint I hear is they, they never get to know any of the players on the team. There's the one-year deals. There's the guys that, you know, yeah, just get developed, you know, start making an impact, and then they move on. And a blank jersey never looks good. <laughs> so Yeah, and, and I'll point out that a restricted free agent uh, system could help prevent that as well mm-hmm. because you can have – a, a team and you say, okay, so we just signed, you know, and there, there's always guys who pop off as rookies in the CFL who come out of nowhere, you know, like a Jalen Saunders, his first season in Hamilton was sensational. And if you could set up a system where it's like, okay, you know, cause the Americans let's remember are only under contract for two yeah, years. Yeah. Typically. I don't think you ever want to take again, you, you never want to take away a guy's opportunity to try the NFL and I also don't think you want to take the opportunity to wait away to make a bunch of money. But if you could have a scenario where it's like, okay, Jalen Saunders is going to be a restricted free agent so he can try the NFL. If he doesn't get there, anybody can offer him a contract, but let's say Hamilton is the first right to refusal. And then let's say on your second contract, there's always a team option, not necessarily on the rookie contract, but on the second contract. So now you're in a situation where the Ticats, you can say, okay, we got him for four years. If we want him, we got him for four because we got him for two. He can try the NFL. If anybody else tries to sign him for year three, we can match, and then we have an option for year four, and you can call the option whatever you want. Let's say it's the same amount of money plus 10%. So if you're Jalen Saunders, you're happy because you're getting paid no matter where you're playing, and you got to try the NFL. And if you're the Cats, you're happy because you get to keep your player, and Cats fans are happy because they get to keep their young star. And if you're the other teams in the league, that's a great incentive to stop poaching other people's talent and develop some of your own because then you get to keep it easier. So I think it's a win-win-win, I, and I, I would love to see the CFL implement something like it in its next CBA. There are a number of these players that are going to be starting their football, pro football career in the National Football League. Who are some of those guys? Maybe some that will never play in Canada, uh, or maybe some that we'll, we'll be waiting a few years for. Well, I think you can scratch off uh, the kind of the top three immediately. Javon Holland was the 36th overall pick in the 2021 NFL draft. I don't think you see him in the CFL ever. Uh, Josh Palmer was a third-round pick 
of the Chargers. I don't think we see him in the CFL ever. And uh, the other is Benjamin St. Just. He was, I think, the number 77 pick. I'd have to double-check that. But he, he's in Washington. And I don't think those three guys play in the CFL. Chuba Hubbard, I think we likely don't see in the CFL. But I would be more I, – I, I could see that easier than the other three. He right. was a fourth-round pick of the Carolina Panthers, but – He's not the biggest running back, and he, you know, there, there's a sense that, you know, if he goes down there and gets dinged up, you know, gets hurt, he's probably down there for a bare minimum of two years, maybe as many as four. But if four years from now he's in a situation where he's like, look, my, I, I still have a lot of football in me. I could put, because keep in mind, he's only 21 right now. So yeah. if four years from now he's 25, he didn't get to play a lot in the NFL. And he's in a situation where he's got more football in him than I think there's a sense that he could play in the CFL. The other four, I think we could all absolutely see. The other four are all undrafted free agents. Uh, I'll break them down really quick. You've got Alaric Jackson, the offensive tackle out of Iowa. He's going to be moving to guard at the NFL level. Um, he did not have a very good senior day. His testing was kind of average. I think the, the issue he kind of faces in the NFL is as a four-year starter, I think people kind of see him as having reached his ceiling. Like, I don't think he's going to get better necessarily at the pro level. He's, he doesn't really have that. I don't think he's unathletic. He just doesn't have that kind of that frame. It's not like he's six foot seven. Like, he's only about six, three and a half. And his athleticism is basically what it's going to be. I don't think he's going to get, get more dynamic that way. So I think BC got good value there in the second round. Eamon Ogbong, the Miga, kind of the similar thing. He's currently under contract with the Chargers, but I think the Stamps got good value in the first round because his body type, that linebacker that's kind of 6'1", you know, 230 and runs like a 4'7". In the NFL, like the CFL, that's rare. In, in the NFL, they're kind of a dime a dozen. Um, you know, it, it's, it's not a spot that a ton of teams like to invest in anyways, an interior linebacker, right? NFL teams, they'll, they'll spend on a top corner man, They'll spend on a pass rusher. Uh, they spend at DT. They, they spend at slot corner. The inside linebacker is just not, you know, it's not the 1980s anymore. They don't, they don't invest there. Um, you've got Pierre-Olivier Lestage, the U-Sports product, who got signed by the Seattle Seahawks. He's one of my favorite players in this whole draft. He went to Montreal at pick 10, but there's a lot of conversation about him probably sticking long-term in the NFL mm-hmm. because the Seahawks' offensive line is terrible. And Lestage, I think his, he's one of those guys, like, he's super athletic. He's never had NCAA coaching. He's probably never had a meal plan. And so if you're an NFL team, kind of like Carter O'Donnell last year, who can sink your teeth into him and say, look, we can really develop this kid into something good, I don't think we'll see him uh, for a while. And the last one is Bruno LaBelle, who I mentioned. I, I don't think he gets an NFL look unless he tests well, and he did. At 6'4", 250, he ran a 4'6", there's a lot of people were expecting he would run like four nine. So I think that's why he's in camp with the Cardinals. Will he stick? I'd be surprised if he did. But with that athleticism, I mean, that does stand out a bit. It's not exceptional for the NFL, but that's a good speed um, for a guy that size. So I can see him sticking around on a PR or something like that. But I, I do think that we'll see Bruno LaBelle in the CFL at some point. I could use a meal plan as well. I am. I'm just throwing that out there. <laughs> I think after after COVID, I think we all could. Yeah, uh, that's a good point. <laughs> Is there a late round guy you just love? Uh, last question about the draft. Just a late round guy that you're so happy got drafted and you're excited to see him 
uh, playing in the CFL? Well, that's a great question. One one guy I'd have to mention is Tyler Packer, who I already referenced. I'm just really excited to see what he can do at six six and three hundred pounds instead of three forty. Because uh, his body, I'll, I'll be honest, he just had a bad body with the Dinos, and he looks like he's he's fixed that. I'm really excited to see Josh Haggerty, the University, University of Saskatchewan product, who got drafted in the sixth round by the Argos. Uh, my colleague J.C. Abbott calls him a poor man's Taylor Loeffler, and I think that's pretty apt. He's six four, loves to hit. He's not as he's not as heavy as Loeffler. Loeffler's about two twenty. Haggerty's only about a buck ninety five, but. I, I'm a sucker for a big DB who likes to hit, kind of as a throwback guy. Mm-hmm. And then I'll throw one more name out there for you, Travis. This is, and I'm going to try to say it right. I think I nailed it on draft day, but I've I've messed it up lots of times <laughs> since. This is Luther Hakanavanu out of York, a receiver taken number 44 by the Stamps, a guy who's six foot four, has decent production uh, from his time with the York Lions, but. I think has a lot of upside as a guy who just hasn't played a ton of football yet in his whole career with York. He didn't put up even a thousand yards, but he's six four. He's two hundred pounds. He runs well, and you know, for a team that likes to be patient and really mm-hmm. develop guys, I think the sky's kind of the limit with him. So, um, not saying he's going to be an all star, but he's certainly somebody who I'm interested to see. Um, could he take the next step at the at the professional level? And if so. You know, what is that next step, and, and how far can he go? I just want to see that name on a jersey. Yeah. that Hakanavani. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> That'll look good in red and white, I think. Finally, uh, before I let you go, I just want to ask you, I like shouting into the uh, echo chamber. I only want to hear what I want to hear. <laughs> is there anything, <laughs> uh, updates you have regarding the uh, CFL, XFL stuff? I know you're a champion for Canadians and a champion for Canadian football where are you with this thing and where is the entire situation at right now? Um, that's a fantastic question. I think that, uh, if, if I had to put my money anywhere, it would be on a merger. Um, it would be a great reduction of the ratio. It would be four down football and, um, it would be the end of the CFL as we know it. Well, now, the echo chamber is broken. <laughs> is is that? Yeah, sorry, that's not what I. That's not what you want to hear. That's not what I want to say either. Okay. Good. Now, is there a chance that this could all go away? I do, um, and I. I also think that one thing that will help is when people are honest about what's really happening. We talk about facts and data mm-hmm. rather than anecdotes. And one thing that we know, for example, is well, the Edmonton football team has. $17 million stored away for a rainy day. They have $13 million in their Heritage Trust Fund, and they've got an additional $4 million that they made in their most recent Grey Cup um, celebration that they held. And, you know, last I checked, uh, the CFL just had their biggest rainy day in history, and the fact that Edmonton didn't even need to tap into their fund I think speaks volumes about the strength of that franchise and i'm perfectly aware of what people will say oh well the toronto argonauts don't have a fund like that yeah but the toronto argonauts also have owners that are worth five billion dollars so if we could potentially look at the the status of things across the board right and just just be honest and say okay there there's three very strong markets there's three relatively strong markets and then there's three markets that need some help but again, if they 
they want to do something themselves to 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 help ensure success, they've got essentially bottomless pockets to deal with. Um, certainly by CFL standards, I mean you've got again five five billion American dollars behind MLSE. All they have to do is spend some of it, and they they're not interested in that. They they don't want to invest in their product, and that that to me is a red flag. The other thing I'll say is. <laughs> The CFL doesn't share revenue, so you've yeah. got teams like Edmonton who have money in the bank and are just laughing, and then you've got a few teams that have nothing, and uh, it doesn't take a genius to figure out that, hey, the NFL shares revenue. What if the CFL shared revenue? And instead of have-nots and haves, you just had CFL teams. You know, This is something that the league did, by the way, in the 60s and 70s, Jake Goddard greatest commissioner in CFL history said it himself. He said in the 1970s, you know, if the CFL didn't have revenue sharing, it would not exist. It would not function as a league. Now, ironically, the teams that were always problems at that time were Winnipeg and Saskatchewan. Now Winnipeg and Saskatchewan could be in a position to carry the league. Um, that obviously was not uh, the case back in the 70s. But my, my, my point is there are – I don't think the problem is as dire as a lot of people are painting it. And even if it was, there's lots of routes to solve that problem that do not involve the rock or an idiotic league that's failed twice. Um, but I'm not convinced that our stakeholders are going to be honest about that. And that's that's what I'll say. Ooh, that's uh, <laughs> I, can, I can only think I, I just envision, you know, there being a season this year and maybe having one more shindig at the the Grey Cup in Hamilton. And we've had a few of those Grey Cups where everybody's kind of, oh, is this the last one? Pour one out for the CFL. Maybe we'll see that again in December. I hope not. But I thank you so much for your input, not only on the draft, but the update on that situation as well. John Hodge, 3downnation.com. Thanks so much for joining the show this week. My pleasure, Travis. Anytime. Thanks again to John Hodge. You can read all of his information at 3downnation.com and follow him on Twitter at John D. Hodge. Well, that does it for this episode of Two and Out. It is brought to you by the Calgary Foundation, proudly supporting community needs for 65 years. When you make a gift to the Calgary Foundation, it's a gift that keeps on giving. The Foundation's knowledgeable staff will provide advice on the community's most pressing needs, keeping your interests at heart and helping you give back in a way that is meaningful for you. Your contributions are invested in an endowment fund that provides a permanent source of funding, allowing you to make an impact now and forever. If you're a professional advisor, creating a giving plan for a client or a donor wanting to give back to the community discover a wealth of resources at calgaryfoundation.org to learn more or check out calgary foundation's facebook twitter instagram and youtube channel i'm travis cura brazilian thai we'll be back in a couple weeks we'll talk to you soon make sure you leave us a rating a subscription hey maybe even a vote in the canadian podcast awards we'll talk to you soon thanks for listening Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.